I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. One big takeaway from the midterm elections was that voters aged 18 to 24 who fall into the Gen Z category voted for Democrats by 61 percent, 61 percent. And some research by Tufts University's Center for Information and Research on Civic Learning and and Engagement suggests that 27 percent of people ages 18 to 29 voted in the election. So we're looking at increased turnout from young people who are going heavily for Democrats. So why is that happening? Well, I, I think we look to America's schools. We look to K-12, and we've had a lot of conversations on this show about the woke indoctrination, the things that they're trying to pump young minds with. But we haven't had the conversation about just the breakdown in education in, the, in these schools. And there were some recent findings from the National Assessment of Education Progress, which is known as the nation's report card, which tested hundreds of thousands of fourth and eighth graders across the country this year. And they found that reading scores dropped to 1992 levels, that four in 10 eighth graders failed to grasp basic math concepts. In both math and reading, students scored lower than those uh, tested in 2019, And uh, math scores plummeted by the largest margins in the history of this test, which began in 1969. So what does that mean for our country moving forward? And then we're looking at other developed nations who are outpacing us in the education system as well. So what does that mean for American competitiveness? And how do we fix the issue? You know, how do we break up this bureaucracy that's not only indoctrinating our youth, which are then going to turn out in elections, and vote for all these dumb things like climate change and abortion and guns that are being pumped in their minds. But what does it mean for the country more broadly? 
when we're, we're pumping kids out of the education system who don't think critically, who aren't educated, and, and we're failing and compared to other nations. So we're going to talk to one guy who's talking about this, who's actually made it his mission, who is passionate about all of this, Professor Nicholas Giordona. He's been working on all of this, writing about all of this, passionate about all of it, trying to get people to wake up, really ringing the alarm on it. He's a professor of political science. He's also the host of PAS Report podcast. He's a fellow at Campus Reforms, Higher Education Fellowship, and he's been teaching for two decades. In addition to being a fellow for Campus Reform, he's also a professor of political science at Suffolk Community College. He's been on Fox as well, bringing attention to these really these critical issues, right? Because we're spending all this money on America's education system to get failing grades and indoctrinating kids. Like, shouldn't that be a bigger conversation as a country? You know, and as a, a lot of parents who are listening to this podcast, I mean, we, we, we got to, one, break up this stranglehold over our kids and, and also just make sure that they're actually learning, right? So I, I hope you enjoy this conversation with the professor. Uh, I, I truly believe this is a really important issue. Giordano, uh, I mean, a lot to get to today, sir. Uh, I mean, the world's crazy. Our education system's falling apart. All of it's really falling apart. Scary uh, times. I, I wanted. Oh my gosh, you're telling me. Uh, I, I wanted to start out. We we saw with this midterm election, um, you know, Gen Z really turning out. Uh, voters aged 18 to 24 voted 61 percent for Democrats, it, it seems like America's education system is more just to indoctrinate our youth than to teach. Is that an incorrect assumption or, or what do you think about that? No, I don't think it's incorrect at all. I think that's exactly what's going on. Rather than educate students on how to think critically about the issues, how to formulate cohesive ideas, instead, they'd rather train them to be future activists. And I think we're starting to see the results of that. Unfortunately, people have ignored the education system for so long that something shifted about 30 years ago where we no longer have educators. Instead, we have ideologues that are pushing all these issues on the children. And where is that coming from? Is that, is that coming from the teachers? Is it coming from the curriculum? Or, or what do you think is driving that? I think it's coming from both. So as far as teachers go, there, there are plenty of good teachers out there. When I went to school, I had plenty of teachers, especially in college, that were pretty much communist, but they still valued education. It wasn't about indoctrination. It was about debate and argument and getting people to think. However, today you have all these newly trained teachers that they're not really experts in their subject fields. Rather, they're uh, just ideologues that pretend to be teachers. And that's part of our problem. You know, we looked at it. If you go state by state, there are certain states that require teachers have a master's. And a lot of teachers get master degrees in education rather than actual subject material. And if you're teaching social studies or mathematics or English to high school students, you should be an expert in the field. So it starts in high school and then it gets far worse as you go to college, because in college, you pretty much have academics that their whole life has been in that setting. They go from undergrad to grad school, and then they become teachers, never having to actually work in the real world. So they operate in these worlds of bizarre theories 
And unfortunately, every bad idea comes out of a university system and trickles down. Well, and, you know, you can apply that to uh, presidents, too. I mean, you look at Obama, he really surrounded himself with people who are, you know, more theorists and academics as opposed to people who have actually had experience in the real world, you know, which is probably why why he was so bad. Do, do you think do Republicans do enough with this issue? No, they don't. And that's the sad part. They, they've ignored the education system. I mean, just two weeks ago, you had the new proficiency levels come out through the national report card. Prior to these new ratings, the the results were abysmal for the last 30 years. It's about a 23 to 25 percent proficiency rating if we take all subjects combined. And that's the rate. It now dropped, and it dropped because of COVID. Now, Republicans should have exploited this. They should have gone into the communities, the inner cities, where the schools were shut down for two years, and said, hey, your child wasn't meeting proficiency levels to begin with. Now their proficiency levels are even lower than that. You have a place like Baltimore, where the proficiency level is about 11%. Students are only 11% proficient in the subject material. And Republicans didn't exploit it. They didn't really talk about it. They talked about the gender issues that are being pushed in the classroom and the critical race theories that are being pushed in the classroom. But what they didn't do was show that the entire education system has collapsed and is not educating our kids. And yet we're still spending $1.4 trillion on this. Where's the return on investment? So where's that money going then? Well, it goes to the facilities. It goes to the pension systems. It goes to... You know, all the administrators, if you look at the amount of administrators that have been hired over the last 30 years in many schools, the number of administrators and support staff actually outnumber the teachers, which is truly astounding to call yourself an education center. And that's what's going on in California. A few years ago, they built a school for eight hundred million dollars. And the reality is those students aren't going to learn any better than a student in a brick and mortar school. So the money just gets constantly wasted. And then you have the corrupt officials that aren't in the classroom. They're in the state education departments that are pushing down these curriculums. So you brought that up before. And that's why I write the articles for Campus Reform to highlight it. You have these corrupt officials that are pushing all this stuff in the curriculums, forcing teachers to have to teach to that. And it's also things that aren't factually true, like the 1619 Project. That's correct. And I think it's something I don't remember if my number is 100 percent accurate, but it's pretty close. Sixty five hundred schools across the United States have adopted 1619 project materials to give to the students, even though the 1619 project has been debunked by pretty much every historian, including liberal historians. It's been debunked because the 1619 project is nothing more than a myth. And unfortunately, what it's designed to do is teach that America is a horrible country, as if America created the institution of slavery when it didn't. They make it as if our history is so simple, as if it's just we're built on racism and slavery. And that's not true. In fact, they don't even teach students that there was a huge debate at the Constitutional Convention where you had people like Governor Morris give speeches about the sins of slavery. Not every founding father had slaves. Many of them freed their slaves before they even died. And we look at it, most people don't know American history. If you don't know American history, because you want to hear the proficiency number for that one, 13%. 13% of high school seniors are proficient in American history. So if you don't know the country you come from, how can that country ever be successful? And it can't. And what we're seeing is students that are graduating with this built-up animosity towards the United States, towards a country they've been in their whole life, 
and you have these school officials that are making it as if racism is worse today than it's ever been. Yet we have the most openly tolerant generation to ever exist, yet they're being trained to think that they're all racist. That's the disaster for society. That will guarantee our failure if we don't fix it now. Is the dumbing down of students intentional? Because, you know, students who have a broader education or who actually being taught critical thinking and actually taught the subject matter can think for themselves as opposed to if you're basically just producing, you know, dumb kids and then pumping their minds with garbage, you know, it's easier to, you know, persuade people who don't know better. And I understand that argument, but what I think has happened is the people that went through the failed education system are now teaching in that failed education system. And I think it has more to do with that. I think that there are many on the left that would love to dumb down the American students so that they could control them. I do believe that the large teachers union, like the American Federation of Teachers, have been part of the biggest problems that we face. But is there an organized, coordinated attempt to actually dumb down students? No, we're seeing standards drop across the board throughout society. And I think it's just how our culture has changed, where we no longer value things like perfection. We no longer value things like working hard and being responsible for the assignments that you're turning in. Rather, it's this emotion based uh, that we move towards where we have to try and understand why students hand stuff in late. We have to be more open-minded about that. We have to worry if we fail a student, what that F is going to do to them emotionally and psychologically. And I think that's part of the big problem is that we've dropped our standards in the name of, you know, making sure everyone can achieve. But the reality is they're not achieving. If you drop a standard and you're just giving out pieces of paper, that's not an achievement. When you fail and then overcome that failure, that's an achievement. So it sounds like a lack of consequences as well. It is. And listen, this is a problem. It's not just the school systems that are a problem or the state education boards that are a problem. It's also parents and the mindset of students that have changed as well, where parents believe, you know, they could call a teacher and start berating a teacher if they fail a student to try and get the student's grade change. The student body has changed. You know, they have a lot more distractions today than ever before. They're not reading books anymore. And even if they are reading, they have their cell phones right next to them that are, you know, buzzing and beeping every second. So they're not even paying attention to the stuff that they're reading. And we have the studies. The American Medical Association has reported that students are not retaining information anymore in this new digital age that we're living in. That's really, really interesting. And, and you had mentioned the nation's report card and, and the low proficiency in, uh, in you know, civic education and American history. But, you know, it's also like four in 10 eighth graders failed to grasp basic math concepts. That's insane. Science is a disaster. Reading's a disaster. Writing's a disaster. Every subject area is an absolute failure. And we wouldn't accept this in any other, any other industry. I mean, point to an industry. You're not going to accept, you know, a heart surgeon being 23% efficient in heart surgery. So why are we accepting this for education for our children? Now, I do think a lot of parents have woken up. I think the COVID era woke a lot of parents up to see what their children are learning in school. And so they're now starting to get involved, but it's not enough. This has to be one of the top issues in the country. 
And we can't ignore the problem because look at what ignoring it has gotten. But I think, you know, to your point, parents have woken up to some of the indoctrination and the woke stuff. But I don't feel like there's a broader conversation with what you're having in the sense of or or schools are just failing students, period, on the educational aspect as well. They're just not learning. And I don't think that conversation is happening. Yeah, and we're not exactly. I think that you're pointing that out. And I think it's a great thing to point out that nobody's pointing out that the system itself has collapsed, that the system itself has failed, not just the stuff that's being pushed in the classroom, but that that we have to rethink the entire system and how we educate students. Curriculums need to be revamped. We have to start putting in more life skills into the curriculums. One of the things I've always advocated, why aren't we teaching students in the eighth, ninth, and 10th grade about saving, investing, and compound interest? Instead, we're focused on stuff that most of the students are never going to use. Why aren't we looking and figuring out what's a student's strength? What's each student's strength and trying to play to those strengths, the subject areas that they're going to be best at? We don't do that. We don't teach home economics anymore or, or woodshop. Instead, it's an elective that you could take. You're not required to take it in a lot of schools. Well, those are important aspects of life, too. And now we have this technological component that's built into the school systems, Most parents are unaware. The reason that these tech companies give a lot of free stuff to the schools is because they know that they got customers for life then. It's very rare that they change. So you have this tech sector, which I'm going to be working on an article for Campus Reform with that one too, where they're looking to take over education. They're looking to reimagine education, to bring in more technology. But the technology, as we see, has been used more and more in the classroom, yet the results are getting worse and worse. So what does that tell you? Very, very interesting. Uh, It's a super interesting point. You know, and it's like international world rankings, too. If you look at developed nations, I mean, U.S. is 37 in math, 18th in science, 13th in in reading. So we are failing compared to, you know, other nations. So, I mean, what does it mean for American competitiveness moving forward? Well, as the sole superpower of the world, as of right now, we're on a decline. And the first indicator of that is usually education. If you look at every great civilization that has ever existed, they led in innovation and engineering while they were on top. Then once that started to decline, so did the civilization. If you look, who's our biggest competitor out there in the international community? Well, it's China. Well, just look at China's rankings over the course of the last several years, and you'll see they increase every year. You'll see that just a few weeks ago, it was reported The top 100 universities, America declined for the fifth year in a row, where China gained for the seventh year in a row. So we see it happening in front of us, and yet nobody really talks about it, even though this is the indicator that we are on a decline and we have a massive problem. And obviously, all this money, whenever you hear someone say, well, it's because the schools don't have enough money, that's a lie. There's plenty of money that they have. It's what we're teaching them, how we're teaching them, who's in charge of the system. That's the problem. Quick commercial break. More on the education system next. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden errors, so you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Do you know what we spend on education versus China or some of these other countries? Well, the United States is number one at one point four trillion dollars. The second closest is Germany. And I believe they spend about one hundred eighty four billion dollars. So as far as what China spends, I don't know. But when I use the one point four trillion dollars, that's just what we spend publicly. That doesn't include what parents spend on the outside, maybe sending their kids to private school. It doesn't include the, the supplies that parents may have to get their kids or anything like that. That's just on actual uh, public education. But to your point, the return on investment is abysmal. We're, we're you know, spending all this money to produce uh, you know, failed outcomes. Correct. And that's the problem with government, right? So if we look at the bureaucracy, efficiency and effectiveness, when we look at the return on investment, that's the problem in the bureaucracy. It never reviews for whether how effective the system is being or how efficient it is. And obviously, we're being inefficient. We're, we're never reviewing if students are meeting the goals and objectives within the education system. Instead, we just dropped the standards so we could say that, hey, look at our graduation rates. Look at the students achieving success. When that's not necessarily true, look at the great inflation that's taking place. That's what I said. 
In the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, the average GPA was 2.5. Today, the average GPA is 3.1. So if students are actually less proficient today, why is that? Why are their GPAs higher? That doesn't make any sense. But nobody will talk about that because to me, that's where the scandal lies. So what does that mean for, for colleges then? You know, because it's if it's starting and schools, we're not teaching them there, then, you know, how to what happens when they when they get to college? Well, it's a big problem for us because, you know, the idea of failing everyone is something that's really shunned in our schools. We, we don't want to fail everyone. And so in colleges, you've seen the same thing happen. You've seen standards drop. And so how useful is that college degree you're really getting? And companies have woken up. You have companies like IBM that have actually dropped the college requirement for many of their positions because they're saying that the college graduates that are coming in are not ready for the workplace. They lack the skills. They lack how to interact with coworkers and the interpersonal skills that are necessary in the workplace. And so in certain businesses, they're dropping the college requirement. That's going to be a disaster for the university system if this continues. So so what's the answer, at least when you look at K through 12 and this bureaucracy that exists? Is it is it school choice or, or how do you break up that bureaucracy or, or shake it up? I think there's a number of things that need to happen. First of all, the power of the unions needs to be weakened. I think more and more teachers need to speak out against the, the American Federation of Teachers, the NEA, because what the, they have done to our children is almost criminal when they shut down the schools for two years and the cover up because they cover up a lot of failures within the education system. So that's the first thing you need to weaken the unions. Second thing we need to do is to reevaluate curriculums across the board. Now, I do like the idea of parent choice where parents get to decide where their kids are going to school. If the school is failing, why should a parent have to sit there and send their kids to a failing school just because of where they live? Why can't their tax dollars be given to another school that will provide success? This will increase competition within education. And the reality is that the public schools will still will perform a lot better if they have this competition and not the monopoly. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that criticize, oh, you want to put the schools out of business. No, we need a vibrant public education system because not everyone's going to be able to go to a private school or a charter school or be homeschooled. And if the system doesn't work for the majority of people, well, then the majority of people in our country are going to suffer. And it's not going to matter whether you went to private school or charter school. So we need to have school choice to increase that competition. But we also need competent teachers. We need competent teachers in the classroom. We don't need ideologues in the classroom. Teachers that actually want to teach the real subject material, want to actually educate the students. I think some of the technology needs to be removed from the classroom. And when it is introduced to the students, if it's at a young age, they need to be introduced on how to use the technology responsibly instead of just pointing and swiping and looking up things on Google and picking out the top three websites that come up. We need to have better standards. We need to demand more from the student body, not less. So we need to raise the actual achievement standards that we have in place for the fact that I don't know if you're aware, but there are a lot of schools out there that are now saying that 50 and below is failing. When I went to school, 70 and below was failing. Now they're saying it's 50 and below is failing, which is completely ridiculous. If you only know half the subject material, 
you should not be passing that class. And I think one of the biggest failures are is that we don't want to hold students back, but maybe they should be held back. If they're not reading at a 10th grade reading level and they're reading at a ninth grade reading level, well, let's put them in the ninth grade class so that they learn and move up to the 10th grade class. I think that too often we sit there and we focus so much on grade levels rather than what's their proficiency level at. And if they're in third grade and they're doing reading at a fifth grade level, well, maybe they should be getting a fifth grade reading education instead of a third grade level. So there's a lot of things that we could do to start fixing the system. Is the will there is the bigger question. Are parents willing to sit down with their children, do homework and do the work with them? Are, are the schools willing to give this idea of school of choice a chance to see if competition can fix some of the problems? Are the students willing to do the work? Are they willing to take that plunge and put away their electronics and actually read a book? Is the, are the politicians willing to tell people that, hey, it's not a money issue? And that the federal government, since 1979, they've taken a heavy role in education and things have only gotten worse. Well, maybe now's the time to have the discussion about shutting down the United States Department of Education and returning some of the powers back to the state and local governments to decide and the people within the community. Quick break. Back with Professor Giordona. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to think, I'm covered, no worries. Well, not so fast. Remember, your out-of-pocket costs are not covered by insurance. That can be a lot of money for your family. But how do you know you're not being overbilled? It's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. Unless you're a billing expert, how do you know your medical bills are accurate? HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance. When your medical claims come in, HealthLock technology reviews the claim for errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix 
hidden errors. So you pay only what you owe. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Bottom line, insurance alone isn't enough. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. I think what worries me in this broader conversation is sort of the underlying theme that a lot of these issues are societal. And, you know, perhaps even deeper than the education system and and just the general, like, laziness that you're talking about. Well, you're absolutely right about that. Our culture has shifted. I mean, there's no hiding that. And I think uh, Tuesday's election results actually show how the culture has shifted. When people no longer base their votes on reason and logic, when they no longer approach the issues with reason and logic, it, it does begin to infect our society as a whole. And we're seeing that. I mean, just consider for a minute how we oversimplify every issue out there. Every single issue, whether it's immigration, education, health care, it's all oversimplified. I have students that come to me, well, we should have universal health care. And I explain to them, well, if it was that easy, why haven't we done it yet? Because we're a mean country, essentially, they'll say. And then I put the budget on the board. Okay, you want universal health care system. Here's our budget. Here's what we raise in revenue each and every year. Here's what we spend it on in our programs. Find me the money to pay for universal health care. When I give them the piece of chalk to figure it out on the blackboard, a lot of them open their eyes. And they're like, wow, I never thought it would be that difficult to actually figure out how we pay for these types of things. When you show them how complicated things really are, it does open their mind. They do start to think, but nobody shows them that. Instead, we operate through emotions right now. So when you're paying, you know, $5 a gallon of gas, but, you know, the debates about abortion, well, I don't care about my personal economy. And even though I'm having a hard time putting food on the table, I got to vote based on abortion. It shows you how we've dumbed down the society and how there is no critical thinking in our society anymore. Well, we saw that during COVID, <laughs> like the inability no, to, see the, <laughs> to see the big picture as a society. That was, I think, the most alarming thing for me from a societal standpoint was the lack of critical thinking and being able to look at COVID, who's at risk, who is not, and then operate from that baseline. Instead, we were told that everyone was of equal risk when statistically and from a data-driven point, that was a lie. So it's like, you know, it's just... uh... Well, the most frightening aspect, so I was debating someone about COVID, a colleague of mine, and I explained to him that, you know, the lockdowns, the mandates... I'm like, this isn't normal. I mean, we have a constitution for a reason, and the constitution doesn't go away because there's a pandemic. You know, and if that's the case, well, then we don't have a free society. It's really all a mirage. And he told me directly, the hell with your constitution. I want to live. Now, that was revealing. But what was more revealing was an email one of my colleagues got from her student. I'm almost quoting it verbatim here. 
She says, I cannot tell you how bitter and resentful I am for all the things my government did to me to take away my childhood. Now that's revealing. And that right there shows me that Republicans are making a big mistake by not going to the youth and saying and reminding them, look at what they took away from you for two years. The people that already lived their milestone, the people that went to the proms, the people that went to their graduations and celebrated their graduations, the people that were able to go and hang out with their friends and build social relationships. They were the ones telling you that you couldn't do that. And yet no Republican picked up on that messaging. You talked about how to fix, uh, you know, K through 12. What solutions do you think we need to look at to fixing the higher education system? Well, the higher education system is in for a reckoning of its own. So as far as student bodies go, uh, just population demographics alone, they're going to be losing enrollment because we're an aging population. So over the course of the next five years, you are going to see four-year institutions get decimated. And I think at the end of the day, what's going to exist is community colleges, state schools, and the Ivy League. As far as the colleges go, again, this is where all the bad ideas came from, right? This is where the gender theory came from. This is where CRT comes from. You have all these people from these elite institutions thinking they know better than everyone else, but they lack any common sense whatsoever. The university system is much harder to fix than the K through 12 system. But the K through 12 system is actually more important because if you develop good students in the K through 12 system, when they go to universities, they won't be able to be indoctrinated. They won't be able to be dictated and have to listen to the professors. They will be able to push back on their professors. So I think the higher education system is much more difficult. It's challenging because a lot of it is private schools, you're paying money, and their parents really don't matter. They don't really have a say in their kids' college education except for with their wallets to go away. But I think a lot of people are questioning the value of a four-year degree at this point. They're questioning the cost versus benefit analysis. And so if parents are really getting fed up, the way to change the college system is send your kids to community college. Save your money. Send your kids to trade school. Find out what, you know, what's the best areas where employment's going to be growing and focus on that. Make sure you're not wasting money on a Caribbean studies or agenda studies degree that's going to lead to unemployment once they graduate after you just spent or took out $100,000 in student loans. The college system's going to have to come to an epiphany and realize on its own and reform itself if they want to survive over the course of the next couple of decades. I, mean, I do joke around because I was a political science major, so, but I think I'm like, I think I'm like one of the only... As was I. It's a good major. But, you know, we're using it, so it's okay. You know, I worked in politics. You're exactly. a professor, so we, we've done something. You know, it's, it's uh, we did something with it, so look at us. Uh, professor Nicholas Giordota, this has been fascinating. I, I really... Give him hell, man. I, I really... I've learned so much from you. I'm so glad that you're out there fighting this fight. It's really important. I, I hope it gets more attention. I, I truly appreciate your time. I've, I've learned so much from this conversation. Well, thank you for having me on. I appreciate you taking the time to put it out to your audience because it really is an important issue that a lot of people don't talk about. And, and if people wake up and they start getting involved, we can actually fix this problem. This is the one, one of the fixable problems in the United States. And I think that it could be bipartisan. I think that... Democrats, Republicans, independents, libertarians, all their children have to go through this education system. So it does affect us all. 
Where can people find your work? They go to campusreform.org and find me on there and read some of the works there, or they could go to pasreport.com. Awesome. Uh, Professor, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. I, I really appreciate it. Very interesting conversation. Thank you for having me. Professor Nicholas Giordona. That was really interesting. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I truly learned a lot, and I think it's a really important issue. So I'm very glad he's out there fighting the fight. And thank you for listening. I want to thank my producer, John Castillo, for putting together the show every Monday, every Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. And please go to Apple, leave us a review, and, and give us a rating. I always read those and appreciate it. Take care. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.